Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dustin Service. He is a wealth management expert in British Columbia, Canada, um, and he's going to discuss a whole bunch of different issues relating to wealth management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Dustin. Jordan, thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, let's just start with a little bit of biography and you, how you got to where you are today. Uh, well, if you want the, the full, uh, the Coles Notes full version is uh, I took a, a civil engineering diploma. And uh, at that time in Canada, a diploma, you could make as much uh, as a full-blown engineer by moving to Alberta into the oil uh, industry. So I did a couple of years out there, but uh, in the office, found myself much more attracted to stocks and trading things. My first stock that I bought was Jones Soda. And uh, people in the office started to take notice and say, hey, can you help us out with our you know, group RSP plan? And uh, we were setting that up in sort of 2003, 2002, four. So out of the tech crash, you know, the market was, the, the watermark was moving up and people, you know, it was more the market than my brilliant ideas. So I lost lots of money, but made, uh, but made money. And I thought, I love working with people and I love uh, the world of finance. So uh, why not jump into the financial world? And it was a rude awakening working from uh, the oil patch, making six figures to making 15000 my first year. Um, and so, you know, made my way into the finance space, uh, started as a stockbroker and wanted to drive a Ferrari. And that was sort of, you know, at 23, the, the vision. And I quickly learned uh, how how that, that was very difficult. So, uh, yeah, that led to uh, joining two guys who became my mentors for eight years. And... Uh, then, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but leaving that partnership eight years ago and uh, continuing on with my own firm. And that's where we are today with uh, Service Wealth and the Picture of Wealth podcast. So you talk about picking financial advisors. In many cases, you are skeptical about the value financial advisors offers. Talk about that and how are you different from other financial advisors? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think it's, uh, it's maybe too general to say I'm skeptical of other advisors. I think there's just a varying degree. And I would, you know, stretch to say that, you know, in my younger years, I thought we were all sort of created equal and, and everyone was uh, of the same, um, you know, acumen, pedigree, whatever, uh, and, and morals and ethics and education. There's many, many silos. It's like saying all mechanics are the best mechanics, you know, or, or nurses or, or any profession. You know, there's just such a varying degree. So I think if someone is looking, uh, you know, for an advisor or for help, you know, there there needs to be a certain sequence, which again, you can go and, and Google that. But at the same time, if you're looking for some some Coles notes on how to pick advisors, that and you know, and not using anything that's already been said before, using maybe new things like, do your advisors invest in the same things that they tell you to invest in? You know, that's a great. You know, I would you know, people will say, well, what do you invest in? I'm happy to show you my statement. The other part is, you know, is the the mindset of the advisor similar? To the client. So, you know, if your advisor is, uh, you know, maybe at a different wealth level, that might be fine if they've got the credentials to back it or the team. But at the same time, when you're talking to somebody and in this day and age, you know, a brainstorming partner is, is much more welcome than someone telling you what to do. And if that advisor is, you know, not only practicing with their clients, but also facing the same challenges that you are facing as, you know, a business owner, a career person, whatever your profession is, then what a great way to, to vet that person and, and feel like you've got a connection. 
Why don't you talk about your onboarding process a little bit? When somebody's interested in joining uh, what you af- offer at Service Wealth, tell us about the process of bringing them on and whether you know that it's a good fit or not. Sure. Uh, well, again, I've talked about the podcast once. Uh, I'll highlight it again. Over having you know almost a hundred episodes, my first you know usual encouragement to somebody that I meet is have a listen to the podcast. Uh, after three or four episodes, you're going to get a, a character uh, preference or not. You know, so do you feel like you know we click and and that becomes sort of a starting point. You know, and again with all the the social media and different things, if someone's looking for an advisor, they could research that. Uh, and find that person and see, you know, see what that person feels like and see if it's it's a fit. So that's a that's step one. Step two would be, you know, working with a, a certain software solution we use uh, to acquire all the data. You know, I, we designed something called the financial dashboard a long time ago, which is just a one page sheet that we uh, have a drawing or a sketch. You know, again, we've we've used big softwares, but what we found is one drawing solves uh, a lot of confusion for people when they when they onboard we get all of their assets onto to one page and not only assets you know you're talking anniversaries insurance what their houses are worth what their mortgages are do they have mortgage life insurance you know all that gets captured on one sheet and people often say like wow okay i've seen uh you know i never actually thought of it like this and where the idea was born was actually a client who was doing his will and he said hey can you read it and i said yeah no problem so we read the will and it, it had multiple things going on, multiple trusts, multiple, you know, different uh, facets. So I said, I don't know how, like, how do you plan on explaining this to your wife? And he said, oh, that's a great question. And so we drew basically out every scenario. Again, I took civil engineering in school, um, fairly well skilled at drawing pictures in, in a certain software. So we drew a picture for all these scenarios, you know, trusts were created in this he said, wow, now these you know, seven pictures, I can actually show my wife. If this happens, then this happens. And so we transposed that to what we call the financial dashboard process, which is getting all the things on one page. That also becomes the tool that the client can use when they go to the accountants or the lawyers and you know, the bankers. It's a great tool for getting financing because you know, all the things are in one place. So once we, we get that on paper, then we can you know, take that, what we call fact pattern, and go to... Uh, whether it's an investment manager or an insurance specialist, and we can brainstorm about the file, and everyone is on the same page. So that's the that's the initial onboard. You talk a lot about the conflict between spouses and how to talk about financial decisions, particularly if they have different levels of, of knowledge, and you have something called the SIA procedure. Tell us a little bit about how spouses can talk about money better to be a team instead of be at each other's throats. Well, yeah, so I'll elaborate on it. So um, Neil Pasricha wrote a book called The Happiness Equation. He called it Spousal Influence Awareness. Now, we coined the term SIA, or we basically acronymed that word. So Spousal Influence Awareness is your spouse is happy how much percent of the time? So let's say your spouse is happy about 80% of the time, and you think about yourself when you are thinking about, well, how happy are you all the time? Well, I'm about happy 80% of the time, too. So Without getting into the chart, if you imagine you're happy 80% of the time and your partner's happy 80% of the time, that means that 64% of the time, you're both happy. That leaves 32% of the time, you're in no man's land, and 4% of the time, you're, in, you know, you're both in a bad state of mind. I often hear people say, you know, hey, we can never really agree about money or finances, or you know, my husband wants to buy this you know, real estate or you know, 
spouse wants to change jobs. It isn't so much the scenario or the, you know, is it risky or is it a good investment? It could be just based on your mood. You know, 32% of the time you're in no man's land where someone's happy and someone's not. Well, when do you think the best time to talk about a financial, you know, item is or debate a financial decision when you're both happy? So being aware of your partner and, you know, finding those, you know, I call it a financial safe space. And my wife and I's safe space is driving in the car on a trip. So maybe a trip longer than two hours. You're going to be in the car for a while, so you might as well bring it up. And then it's going to be a pretty awkward time in there. But we both know and we're aware that that's sort of the spot to chat. So if something comes up that is, you know, touchy, we can keep brainstorming on it, but we're not going to stay mad after, if that makes sense. So hopefully that, you know, the, the, the most interesting dynamic or most uh, intricate dynamic is the three-way between your spouse, your money, and yourself. So you're talking about the SIA matrix, the uh, spousal awareness matrix. You talk about a quiet time to chat about money. Then you also say to listen and debate openly. Is that something that's difficult for people to do around financial topics? Yep. So, um, you know, the, the, the interesting part about uh, achievers or people who are, you know, or, you know, just trying to get, they usually are, you know, again, this is a Neil Pasricha thing, so I'm not stealing his, his uh, concept, but they are high thinking, high doing people. And so when you're high thinking, high doing, you're able to give you an edge. But if you don't come back to a place of space and recharge your mind, you don't have the energy to talk about important decisions. And again, important decisions are, are, need to be debated. And so I think there is a correlation between people who are hard charging and in their craft and very focused. It serves them well. But if they're not aware, like when is the right time to decide, hey, let's move our family two hours to a different place, or when is the right time to, hey, we're going to re-leverage our house and we're going to buy a rental house. Uh, you know, again, I have small kids, so you, you know, have this, life is busy, and so there's never really a good time. So you have that space to intentionally create the space to then bring up the topics of conversation. You also say it's important to accept a decision that may not make sense to you. How does that work in a, in a marriage? <laughs> well, now we're getting deep, Jordan. So, uh, you know, accept the decision that doesn't make sense to you. Uh, and I would, you know, it's, um, it's one partner or the other will do a bunch of research on something and get, you know, kind of bought into. So let's, let's use, um, let's use analogy of, we could use real estate. We could use, we're going to buy a boat, you know, let's, let's use a boat. So the, let's, uh, let's say it's me. I'll put it on me. So me, I'm, I'm researching boats and uh, I've done lots of research, you know, the different kind of styles and, you know, all the different things would fit with our family and all the, you know, the seating configuration. And then my, my father-in-law and he's, he's going to come with us and my, my, my parents and my kids going to be great. And our friends, you know, and then I've gone to price. I've really done a ton of research and I'm really, you know, I think, okay, I've looked at our finances, everything's good. And then I come home, my wife's got the kids, you know, busy day, hockey practice, all that stuff. She's made dinner. We're sitting on the dinner table. Kids are kind of noisy. Hey, you know what? I'm really excited I should buy a boat. And that is the moment where, again, my wife could be in the happy zone or not. Uh, but realistically, 
she probably will answer without even thinking because there's just so much going on. She might say, and I'm not, but his partner might say, uh, no, I'm not doing that. And so then all of a sudden you've got, you know, a situation where, you know, your partner you know, or you, you know, are looking and going, okay, yeah, I'm pretty relaxed. That's fine. But it, once you do that once, you do that twice, let's use a rental house. You come home, buy a rental house, I drive by, it's by my office, it's a good deal. Uh, no. How many times can you get the no before that starts to creep into a marriage issue? And again, that's why I say we're getting, we're getting past money, we're getting on to, to issues. But that does, you know, that could be a, a landmine or a time bomb in your finances if you're not able to find a safe place to talk about this thing. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dustin Service, who is a wealth management expert in uh, British Columbia, uh, Canada. Uh, you can find out more about him at his website, servicewealth.com, spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S, wealth.com. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dustin Service. He is a wealth management expert uh, based in British Columbia, uh, Canada. His website is servicewealth.com, spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S, wealth.com. Welcome back to the show, Dustin. Thanks, Jordan. Looking forward to it. So you call yourself a wealth scientist. What have you learned about wealth that people might not uh, be readily aware of? Well, it's, uh, it, it is a, a combination of experimenting with my own money and also studying, you know, the many clients we have who are higher net worth. And, you know, some of the things that I, that I would, out of my top 10 clients, uh, 
have necessarily, you know, hit it big with Tesla stock or, you know, done some big stock thing. They've really just had consistent behaviors. And also, uh, they've, again, we talked about it in the previous episode, they've had a, a communication or open lines of communication with their partner. So, uh, you know, money behavior stuff is just as simple as understanding what your BAM is, or we call BAM, your bare ass minimum. And those are the expenses that exist, uh, you know, for someone to, to be around. And this isn't the Louis, Louis Vuitton, you know, stuff or the, the traveling. This is literally your mortgage payment, your rent payment car payment, you know, groceries. And that is, you know, for most people, they, they have never sort of looked at that. Nobody likes a budget, but going through the exercise of your bare-ass minimum and just even writing it down or looking at your last, you know, couple months of the statements of where your money goes is a very powerful and very underutilized exercise. Okay. So let's talk about the current state of wealth management. Um, we've had kind of a bear market in stocks for the last year or so. The Fed Reserve Banks around the world are raising interest rates pretty sharply. Uh, inflation is high, but coming down a bit. Are, are you in general bullish or bearish about the stock market these days? I just think if you, you know, to work with, we have probabilities. Uh, there's no shortage of negative things to, to consume and, and dwell on. And then that sort of affects your whole mindset. But I'm a probability person. Again, I studied science. I studied engineering in school. Uh, you know, again, maybe... Maybe we're we're wrong, but you look back, it's been around for however long. Yes, it's always a different time, but you have sort of this this engine that runs that on mass humans, you know, have in the past innovated and continually tried to you know get better. You know, companies and and capitalism as it existed in the past has, you know, you know companies have tried to be more efficient, uh, and I think we've got a great emergence of you know companies being you know, uh, more, you know, uh, sustainable and, you know, they're, they're addressing more of these, these issues that are better for the environment. And again, I'm, I'm not here to, to sway one side or the other. I just think it's, we're getting better. And so I, I'm optimistic. I think that, uh, again, if, if it doesn't, you know, people that dwell on, well, you know, if the, if the stocks went to zero or if I lost all my money, it, you know, and depending on what you're investing in, if you're investing in some micro thing, and it goes to zero and you put all your money in it, well, then the risk wasn't managed. But if you're, you know, if you think of the mass, if the markets ended, if insurance companies, you know, defunct, there's, there's so, the, everyone is in it together. So where, where would someone hide? And that, you know, kind of really starts to unravel, you know, people's philosophy, well, we would all be in this equal bad place together. So again, part of our job as, as managers is getting into people behavior and what they call cognitive biases and and understanding how people grew up how did you grow up around money what things are you carrying from way back that might not be applicable in your life what goals are you trying to achieve that maybe are your 20 year old self goals and you're 50 well could those goals be just you've held on to them go maybe you know there's there's a whole new world awaiting for you and uh, you know, that can happen. We saw it in, in COVID. We saw it during, you know, certain U.S. elections. Uh, even, you know, clients of mine in Canada got, you know, quite consumed with things going on in the U.S. And uh, it, if you're not aware of it or to compartmentize it or trap it or talk to somebody about it, uh, it can be all consuming in your life and ruin, you know, one of the things we talk about in your life is accumulating solid relationships and a relationship with your spending. 
Next part we talk about is mental health. You can have all the money in the world and be 60, horrible mental health. So then wealthy. That, you know, that, that's where my mind kind of goes with that question. So how do you allocate assets, uh, say, within the stock portfolio? Do you have uh, funds? You, you pick individual stocks? Uh, how do you rotate to different industries? Just kind of give me the process of how you allocate clients' funds. So we, we would in, introduce clients to uh, investment counselors or investment managers, and the managers would then talk to the clients and uh, figure out what risk tolerance, what their objectives are. We would help uh, you know, share with the investment managers the plan or the retirement plan or the income plan, tax, or whatever sort of the planning part is, managers. And then the managers would then select, you know, we tend to prefer single, you know, stocks opposed to funds. But again, if for smaller accounts, we might use funds or, you know, we've got, you know, large client accounts that have, you know, children with a TFSA or a tax-free savings account is what they call it in Canada. They only have 50,000. Well, we're not buying an individual stock portfolio of, say, 20 stocks with uh, that amount of money. We'll just buy what they call a pool. And so, again, you're, you, we've got, you know, I just had a meeting this morning with a gentleman who's about to retire. Um, and, you know, that portfolio, you know, the managers, based on what he's saying, is 70-30. Again, 30 bonds. And so it's, it's more the, the client and, uh, and the investment manager who are having this open conversation. I'm there to help share with the investment manager certain details about the plan that might um, make the plan either m- more uh, aggressive or less aggressive. And sometimes we have clients who come to us and uh, you know real estate is is after our conversations and how they were brought up and different things I identify that real estate is is the number one thing that they should focus on and we're happy to you know encourage that person talk to them about why it might not be a fit and they you know could utilize real estate. and that does lead me to kind of think about the concept we call the wealth edge so the wealth edge for all of us, you know, and listener, uh, your wealth edge is different than mine and, you know, from other listeners, uh, is something that gives you a, a, a bit of an advantage or a lower risk. You know, an analogy I like to use is a car. Listening, wealth edge is probably utilizing fixing up real estate as a, as a wealth tool. And so um, I'm not as skilled with tools. So that carpenter over me has a wealth edge because they've got ability to put in sweat equity, which costs less to buy a property, maybe they bought it not of a deal, but they put their equity in it and it makes the risk lower. You know, a dentist, you know, I would say is their wealth edge is a consistently high income. So should that dentist be on the weekends trying to learn how to do carpentry and do a fixer-upper? No. They could, you know, maybe buy a real estate fund or a partnership or a limited partnership and buy, but a bigger piece of real estate for their partners. Because if it doesn't go well, They've got their income to fall back on. So again, for different people, different professions, we utilize their wealth edge. How do you allocate assets amongst stocks, bonds, cash, and real estate, depending on people's age and risk tolerance? How do you kind of make? Because that's something that you're doing. You're you're allocating a certain amount of money to different money managers who have different styles. How do you make that asset allocation? Yeah, it it isn't necessarily me making the asset allocation because I'm uh, you know. I'm farming that out to the investment manager to make the decision. So again, if you know, the traditional planning is like when you're older, we have more bonds, uh, sort of, you know, in a new spot, uh, that becomes more creative. Will interest rates go up, down, knows. 
Um, you know, so that's, you know, I, I, I tend to uh, put all that onto the investment managers to make those decisions. Okay. And then you're, in, in consultation with a client, people talk about risk tolerance, but do people really know how much risk they're willing to take? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, going through 2008 with clients, going through in Canada 2014, we kind of had an oil and gas issue and then COVID. Uh, yeah, I think everyone's risk tolerance definitely gets tested trying markets. So I, I don't think is as much of a on the forefront when markets are going up, but when markets are going down, yes, people, uh, you know, the old school, like I was explaining to my staff, you know, this the piece of paper on the know your client used to say, are you low, medium or high? Now our risk tolerance questionnaires have gotten a lot more, a lot more example based. You know, if you, you know, invested this much and it went down this much, is that something you're willing to take? If you invested, so that's sort of this, this new concept of willingness to take risk and ability to take risk because they're, they're, they're kind of two things. Someone's ambition, you know, what they think, you know, you got ego into that, you know, someone who's got a big ego likely would take more risk. And then when, if it doesn't work out, you've all of a sudden got ego in play again, where, you know, it's someone else's potential fault. So you've got, you know, lots of dynamics there. So the, the forms and the investment managers are, are bringing forward now are a lot more in depth than they were. 16, 17, 18 years ago, uh, and and the conversations are very powerful and and much more uh, I'll call it you know not robust, but the clients appreciate them as much as those forms are kind of long and you know whatever you really get to learn about they get to learn about themselves uh, and if you're if you're you know they're thinking I wonder what risk tolerance I am you know look up you know, new risk tolerance questionnaires and something called cognitive bias, because that's, we all have biases and those affect our decision-making. So again, I, you know, those, those are important parts to dive into. Very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dustin Service. He calls himself a wealth scientist. He's in the wealth management business in British Columbia, Canada. You can find out more at his website, Service Wealth dot com spelled s-e-r-v-i-s-s wealth.com and we'll be back after this stocks bonds investment opportunities financial news and talk we can help call us now toll free 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 voice america business network someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dustin Service. Uh, he calls himself a wealth scientist and works in the wealth management business in British Columbia, uh, Canada. Uh, he has a website. Uh, which is servicewealth.com, and he also has a podcast called The Picture of Wealth Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Dustin. Thanks, Jordan. One of the things you did was you were an angel investor, which is where a group of investors come together to put a pot of money into what they think is a high potential uh, company or business idea. Tell us about your experience and what you learned from being an angel investor. Sure. So you you read about it and you hear about people that were, you know, first in Uber and first in Twitter and, you know, you kind of go, well, how, how did they get involved with in that? And so the thing in our hometown, uh, which is Kelowna, British Columbia, is maybe the California or of Canada, and they're trying to create a real tech hub. And so about five years ago, they created a uh, the Okanagan Angel Summit, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's 30 uh, people put in one was five thousand thousand dollars that money goes into a pot and then uh businesses pitch to the group of 30 people and then we whittle it down so it took 10 weeks to whittle it down to the winner and i can tell you that um my decision process to do it was again the five thousand uh every year get a certain amount of money to high risk in the in the form of money that is enough that it might turn into something and it is not enough that if it goes to zero, it's really going to affect, you know, putting food on the table. So that's a, is a tool that we talk to people about is investing in a high risk bucket is important and allocating appropriately. But this particular uh, group, you know, well, if there's people, there's a couple things going to go on here. If there's group of people is going to put their money and they've kind of got the same mindset as me, they probably are of like mind. So if I'm going to go to these meetings over 10 weeks and I'm going to develop relationships with 30 new people, uh, they're probably going to be people I want to be around, people that I can learn something from. So that's step one. The second part of it was I'm going to see, and I'm going to see the under the hood of, uh, I can't remember the exact amount. It might have been like 15 or 20 businesses where we saw kind of two a night and then it got down to the finals. And, and I'm going to see how they're pitching and how they're approaching looking for money find the tech space and again all these were tech based so uh that combo it was a no-brainer to invest in it so long story short what the business was and we you know there's multiple businesses whittled down that were great it's a a bit a business called minga and they do um you know classroom so teacher parent interaction and so apparently in the states you know that's a that's a bigger thing and in canada it's starting to be but in the States, it's a big thing. So this communication, attendance, report cards, and, uh, you know, hey, we're doing a, a field trip. So alerts to, to parents to send the kids with gloves or, you know, snow pants in Canada because it's 
winter right now, but those kind of things. So again, that was a great, a great how exercise. How did that investment work out? So currently it's still in place. Uh, they're adding, I get emails about it all the time. Uh, the fascinating thing I think about tech and any listener who's in tech, you know, you, you already, you know this, but uh, it is a, a raising game. So I just saw an email that our company is uh, is doing another raise. And so they need to raise to get into a certain number of schools, certain number of contracts, the payback. And so they, they have it all figured out, but it, you know, every time they raise, it dilutes. <laughs> and so again, I'm not in tech space, so I, I'm not familiar, but it is a fascinating uh, game. So it's still good. You know, they're adding new schools and, you know, they plan to be break even, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but who, who really knows, Jordan? <laughs> so, I mean, would you recommend people, if they have the money, to try angel investing? Well, I think if you the allocation, because, again, I, I wouldn't be saying every listener, you know, should or shouldn't. I think it's when I, I look at my, you know, we, we designed a model called the spending accelerator. So what the spending accelerator has is different buckets. So if you manage, you know, imagine a machine spits out at the start of the month a certain amount of money. And, again, this is how much save in a month. So listen, how much you save a month is going along a conveyor belt. And on the side of the conveyor belt are little kickers along the way. So the first kicker might kick a certain amount of money into an emergency savings bucket. Then a little bit less money continues down the conveyor belt. Some money gets kicked off into your insurance. Money keeps going. Money gets kicked off into like a, you know, core investment, we call it something steady Eddie. And then, you know, you might have a little bit left, and you say, okay, well, I've got a little bit left, I'll do it into high risk. Again, using my analogy of it shouldn't be an amount that if you lose it to zero, it affects your life. It should be enough that when you put it in, you to be very attentive to it. And in the perfect scenario on the spending accelerator, if there's still money left going down the conveyor, you purposely spend it on upgrading your lifestyle that are in line with your goals. Very good. Let's talk about insurance. You are a chartered life underwriter, an expert in insurance. As far as life insurance, there's term and permanent. When is it appropriate to do term insurance or permanent insurance or maybe some combination of the two? Awesome. Well, that's a, it's a big question, Jordan. But well, without a spreadsheet or a whiteboard, I will do my best to, to highlight the two. So you've talked about term insurance. It's just like it sounds. You're going to buy a policy for a certain term. Easy example is, listener, if you're a new parent and you've got a baby, your baby is going, you know, your child is going to be dependent on you for probably 20 years before they move out of the house. So someone might argue that, you know, and I'm really simplifying here, you could have a term 20 policy, the time kid to the time of the Or if you don't have a child, you've bought a mortgage on your house and the mortgage is 25 years. And you say, well, you know, if my spouse passed away or I did, off the mortgage. So you might say, well, our mortgage is going to be 25 years. We're going to get a 25-year term. That's a really simple analogy. And for the owner listener, if, if you're in business and you've got a business partner or you have a loan in your business and it's going to be a five-year loan until it's paid off, maybe you buy what's called a term five or a five-year term. Permanent insurance is something that is more of an estate planning tool. It is going to be for you for your whole life. Again, there's multiple kinds of permanent insurance, whole life and universal life are the two most common. And those policies are a bigger premium up front, but you are going to have certain things like 
Maybe you have the ability to cancel the plan in 10 years and maybe get a refund that's more in or what you put in. It has what they call a cash value. So for someone that earns more or has more disposable income, you might do the math. And, and again, every scenario is very different. Please talk to a qualified insurance professional. But if you put that money in and you say, well, I didn't use it, then maybe you can get some money back that has, or it has equity. Or you keep the plan and that plan lives with you in your back pocket until you're, say, 90 years old. The term insurance, like we talked about, will expire at a certain point. So if you're trying to leave, you know, common for a permanent insurance plan is someone maybe with a child. We help people, children who, if they die, like the parent dies, that child needs care for the rest of their life. They want to make sure the guardian has money or maybe the godparents. So they'll say, hey, I want to buy a permanent insurance because I don't know when this might be an issue. I, you know, maybe it's in 10 years, maybe it's in 30, but I know that I want to have a pot of money for my disabled child more so for the godparent to then be able to use for my child. That's a, you know, a classic example of using a permanent insurance plan. A very popular insurance plan today are these IULs, Index Universal Life. Are you in favor of those? Uh, I comment on it because I'm not familiar with them uh, in the States, in Canada. They do call them Universal Life. Um, right now, uh, with interest rates sort of rising, one could maybe lay the numbers down with whole life and universal life and um, maybe position one or the other. Um, you know, universal life that we use up in Canada is more of a like term to 100. So instead of, you know, a premium that rises over time, like a term, you would say, hey, you're just going to pay a set premium and it goes till age 100. And, you know, again, it's, it's a huge black box of, you know, if you want to do investments inside sea or life where they do the investing for you. When people come to you, typically, are they overinsured or underinsured? Um, kind of varying because we've got, you know, we've got young lawyers who are just having families and got mortgages. And, uh, I would say that no person who's ever got an game wish they had less. So when you have someone that says, Hey, um, we only want this much. I, I'm again, being sort of the scientific background, I like to work backwards of like, if you're buying a million dollars of life insurance, then let's figure out where that million is used for. I'm not a person that just, you know, someone walks in and I say, oh, you need five. It's a very methodical, it isn't complex. It's just a, a quick calculation of, hey, uh, you know, we should cover, if you're the income earner for your family, seven years of income. So listener, if you make 100000 a year, you know, you want to leave your family with 700000 Plus, you want to pay off the debt. Now, since universities have been so expensive and real estate, young children, it's going to be very hard for younger people to buy a house without their parents' help. So a really easy analogy of how much life insurance do I need? Seven years of lost income, pay off all your debt, and give each child 200 to go to university. If they go to university, that money could be used to put a down payment on a house. So it doesn't take very long for, you know, up in Canada, you know, Western Canada, common mortgage would be five to eight, nine hundred thousand plus your income, plus the kids, you know, two million would be a common policy. Uh, you also talk about estate planning, uh, and what are some of the things that people tend not to deal with enough in estate planning? Maybe they don't have wills, or should they be setting up trusts? What do you find are the holes in people when they come to estate planning? 
a communication between generations. So the first thing that popped into my mind when you're asking this question is uh, there is a wealth being transferred down in right now. And the, the common 80-year-old or even, you know, 65, 85-year-old is, is you grew up in a, in a private. Wealth is private. You don't share your will with your kids because you don't want to make them entitled or cause, you know, weird family dynamics. But for a wealthy family, having a trust, that could be an advisor, that could be an accountant, uh, you know, someone who is well-versed. There's a designation called an F a family enterprise advisor, more specific for family businesses, but same idea. If you can get that conversation going with the older and the younger generation and have a plan on how to transition yourself. You think of a family with multiple buildings uh, and they're all rented and you know when they pass away, there's going to be a ton of tax. Maybe there's ways to incorporate the younger generation into the, the operation uh, slash ownership of those buildings ahead of time. Again, a tax accountant would be able to sort of facilitate the tax, but, you know, open conversation with a will. What does your will say? Start sharing it with your kids now. You're saying it's often something that generations do not speak about until it's too late. No, they don't. They don't speak about it. And it's, uh, it's secret and it often leads to uh, a lot more work on the back end and a lot less money going into tax or uh, sorry, a lot more money going to tax instead of the, the next generation's hands. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dustin Service. He is a wealth scientist uh, in the wealth management business. He's in British Columbia, uh, Canada. You can find out more at his website, servicewealth.com. He also has a podcast called The Picture of Wealth. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dustin Service, a wealth management expert in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, his website, servicewealth.com. Welcome back to the show, Dustin. Thanks, Jordan. Let's finish strong. You have a way to get people financially organized, uh, manage their personal and professional risk, and see easy wealth opportunities in seven minutes. How do they do that? <laughs> Try and do it in two, but uh, we designed a course during COVID called Net Net Tough. 
Uh, it is on my website. It is free. And the, the really the premise of it is if you think about your your picture, your financial building blocks like a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid, the widest part is the financial plan. And again, it doesn't need to be a 100-page written financial plan. It just be as simple as you and your partner talking about where do we want to go in the next year to feel happy with our progress, professionally, personally. And so you're, you're kind of manifesting where you want to go. And so that then sets the course of like, well, you know, we want to buy a recreation, you know, a, a cabin on, I want to, you know, retire. Okay. So now you sort of know where you want to go. And then you move up the pyramid to the next area, which is risk management. We already touched on a little bit about the insurance, but you know, what happens if I, you know, I pass away or you pass away partner? Uh, what if we get sick or ill, you know, do will, uh, you know, that block also is something called leisure spending and solid relationships. Again, we believe in, you know, sort of mindset that, you know, it, you could have all the money in the world and have, you know, not a very good relationship spending, and that isn't wealth to us. You could have a very lonely life and a lot of money, which isn't, again, so we've got sort of the managed. So you got your plan at the bottom, you've got your risk managed, you know, that if, if something happens to you, then your plan so we manage the risk. The next layer up, moving up the pyramid is the accumulation zone. This is where you're going to talk about real estate. You're going to talk about saving. You're going to talk about investing. You're going to talk about your kid's education fund. You're also going to talk about investing in your mental health, often not talked about by wealth managers. But again, if you have $3 million when you're age 60 and have horrible mental health or very negative, uh, yeah. you're probably going to be lonely because no one's going to be, want to be around you. You're probably not going to be around, around yourself. So again, what you put in your mind, your, your mind nourishment, there's lots of podcasts on the topics, you know, there's meditation, you know, and there's, there's a big topic for today. But again, what are you putting in your mind and what are you surrounding yourself with consciously or not? You're the sum sort of thoughts and, and beliefs of the five closest people around you. It could be your spouse, it could be your ex-spouse, it could be your boss, it could be your employees, it could be your kids. Again, being aware of Who's around you and are those people serving your, your, your goals? And then the final, the, the pinnacle or the, the summit, you know, what we call the, the summit is, you know, transitioning your business and estate planning. So if you're a business owner, how do you exit? You know, are you thinking about that? So once you've got this framework and you visualize this in, uh, in your head, and I do have it on my website, you can go download that picture. But once you got it in your head, you want to look at that picture and go, okay, well, I have life insurance, check mark. I have, uh, you know, health and dental plan. Okay, check. I've got a will. Check. Uh, I know where I want to go. Check. And so now you've got this check mark on this pyramid. So out of, you know, the, the maximum score you could have for a perfect score is 15. If you know that you've got 10 out of 15 and there's two maybe, you know, what we call exclamation mark or, you know, a red question mark, then that's where you focus. So instead of, you know, thinking of a financial plan as this massive undertaking, it really starts with just a simple picture to go, okay, in the next six months, I'm going to attack this piece. And then every year you check in on that and attack one more piece. And sometimes as your life evolves, then you refine the pieces. But that's a, a, great, uh, a great starting point. You also talk about having a spending mindset and even say people should take every Friday off. How do you have a correct spending mindset for the amount of money you have? Great. So that, uh, that goes back to the spending accelerator. So if you... Take what I talked about before, the conveyor belt, and think about, I've got, you know, the end of the month, you know, I'm doing well, 
I'm saving X amount of dollars. Let's say you're saving 5,000 a month. Okay. I'm saving this 5,000 and uh, I'm putting 4,000 into, you know, a thousand into insurance, a thousand into my core investment. I'm putting a thousand into my emergency bucket. I'm putting uh, 500 into the high risk bucket. And so, you know, there's, there's five or $1,500 still left. And so, Again, this, in a listener, if this resonates with you, uh, we probably share the same sort of past history. But I was brought up that, you know, you want to get somewhere in life, you got to work hard. And I interpret that. I was never really told this, but I was interpreted that. I don't really know how hard, so I'm just going to work really hard. And for years and years and years, and, you know, I started to have children. You know, we started to kind of look at, like, the work-life balance, and it wasn't, I was not balanced. I was, you know, my family was second priority was the business. And I always thought it was, either or. You couldn't be the best dad and have a successful business. And you couldn't have a successful business if you were the best dad slash husband. So what I had to realize and re-engineer a plan was that it's an and. You can be successful in business and be great in your family. So the spending accelerator and that analogy of like, if I'm doing all these responsible buckets, if there's money left over, I'm purposely going to spend it. What I find, you know, again, back to the scientist part, you know, we work with multiple you know, high net worth families, and we see, you know, a common example would be somebody with $4 million and they spend 150000 a year. We look at the math, we say, if you basically got a 0% return, uh, you're going to pass away with money. So why don't you spend more? And they say, well, that's not how we got here. So why would we start spending more now? And I'll say, okay, that's your valid point. Why don't you give more to your kids? Well, we don't want to screw them up by making them entitled and giving them money now. So you have this bind. If you don't know how to spend, when you get to retirement, you will be potentially trapped. You talk a lot about the wealth mindset. So from people who did not come from wealth, how do they acquire a healthy wealth mindset? Well, I would start with looking around at people and, you know, there's no shortage of people around social media, people that you gravitate towards. And it doesn't necessarily have to be people who are around money. Uh, it, it can just be you know, wealth can mean a lot of things to different people. And, and for some people, they say it's not money. Um, you know, I think it, it, money does open up certain doors. And if, if that resonates with you, then, then wealth does have a component of money. But, you know, you think of the different, you know, people out there, and I'm just trying not to give people free sponsorship, but, you know, there are gurus out there that help people just re-engineer, sort of re-unpack their their beliefs on, on anything. And I think it's, it's super important that people don't shy away from even reaching out to, you know, a therapist or a counselor or somebody who's a non-threatening entity that you can share some of your, you know, belief gristle with. Again, we all carry it around. We all were brought up certain ways and, and have certain things that are embedded in us that, you know, are limiting. If you're trying to get better in your wealth, Start with getting better in one area of your life. Again, that, you know, for me, fitness has been a big part of, of life. I find always when I refocus on fitness, it transposes into my business. So maybe for you, it's music. Maybe, listener, for you, it's um, art. You know, when you're getting better at that and you're sort of getting your mind right, you get the confidence there, which then leads to confidence in other areas of your life. Very good. In the roughly three minutes we have left, why don't you kind of summarize what difference it'll make in people's lives to take some of the advice we talked about and have a financial plan, a wealth advisor like you, compared to 
what a lot of people are doing now, which is not having financial advisors and not really having a plan. Well, I would coin it to the example of, you know, usually uh, in your house, again, listener, maybe you think you feel different, but listener, if you resonate with this of when you walk into your house and your kitchen's clean, how does that make you feel? Think about nicely wiped countertops, the sinks vimmed out or nice and shiny. Uh, you know, the dishes are all put away and there's order. How does that make you feel? And when you think about your finances, often there's a, a, a separation where people go, oh, and there's, a, there's a, this overwhelming feeling of anxiety of, I don't know how to make good decisions. I haven't made a good decision maybe a long time ago. You made a bad investment so that, you know, obviously you think now oh, I, I can't make good investments. Not true. Uh, so if you go back, we call it cleaning your financial kitchen. That step I talked about before of the financial dashboard, even if you just took a simple piece of paper and wrote down all of your investment, all your savings accounts, all your loans, all of, you know, again, if you were really diligent, write down last month's payments and where they went out of your bank account. You know, most online banks, if you have, you can generate your last three months of statements and just even just scroll through them. That will then give you the confidence to say, okay, what little step could I take? My goals, as I talked about before in the base of the pyramid, are I want to get outside more and be more active. And if you look at your bills and you've got the most expensive cable package, well, you don't want to be watching more TV. So why do you have the more expensive cable package and you're holding back buying that new e-bike? Maybe you could downgrade your cable package and buy the e-bike now. So hopefully that's a good sort of nugget to leave on. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Dustin Service. You can find out more about him at his website, which is servicewealth.com, spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S, wealth.com. He also has a podcast called The Picture of Wealth. I think we learned a lot about managing our money in the last hour. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Dustin. Thanks, Jordan. You're doing a great service. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.